0: Hello, everyone. It's Brian Metzer, and I am back with another edition of the Times Online Pittsburgh Penguins podcast. Of course, before we jump into anything else, I need to tell you that this podcast is available each and every Wednesday Only at timesonline.com. Of course, unless you consider, we're also available on Stitcher Radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Just search Beaver County Times and you'll be able to find our Pittsburgh Penguins podcast, as well as all of our other great podcasts, including one on the Steelers, tech, news, everything else you need to find available for you right here at timesonline.com and we have a a number of great folks working uh, on podcasts as well as all the other great content available to you over at timesonline.com so don't forget to pop over there and read uh, all of our great news, sports,
1: and everything else
0: coverage available to you there. Now I did want to... um, Tell you, I am live at Consol Energy Center, just finished up uh, watching the Penguins fall to the Montreal Canadiens 3-2, to their third consecutive loss to start the season, and uh, just not a very good-looking Pittsburgh Penguins team right now. They now find themselves losing their first three games of the season for just the fifth time in their franchise history, which is kind of an interesting thing to consider, just based on the fact that uh, they've been around since 1967. This isn't something that you really want to uh, have happen to you whenever you have, uh, or when you're a a salary cap team, You, you have... Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, Phil Kessel, all these other players, Chris Letang, Marc-Andre Fleury, you're spending to the cap. You expect to have more return on your dollar. And right now it is just not there for this team. And they've got to get it turned around. There was a whole lot of frustration in the locker room this evening. Um, And I'm talking about it in the present tense. You'll be hearing this tomorrow morning. So uh, forgive me on that one. But uh, as I said, I am live at Kinsale Energy Center just finishing up here. And uh, we wanted to give you a little bit of a scene set as uh give you a little bit of a vibe from the locker room i mean it was a frustrated or very frustrated locker room they were uh, not happy with their performance there was frustration over the lack of goals there was frustration over the fact that uh there doesn't seem to be enough desperation in that locker room and i mentioned the lack of goals that's something that really jumps out at me you have the the guys that i just mentioned on the offensive side of the puck Sidney crosby of guinea malkin phil kessel those three individuals have totaled uh, a combined 612 points over the past three seasons. Sidney Crosby obviously leading the way with 244 over that span. of Kenny Malkin at 175 and Phil Kessel at 193. And uh, before the loss to the Montreal Canadiens, Phil Kessel was the only one of those three to get on the scoreboard. He obviously scored a goal against the Arizona Coyotes on Saturday night. And it was the first and only goal scored through those first two losses. And even with the two goals that the Penguins scored on Tuesday evening against the Montreal Canadiens. They now have just three in their first three games, and that is the lowest total through three games to start a season for the Pittsburgh Penguins since they scored four over their first three games back in the 0304 season. So this is something that, um, you know, it, it's a little bit of a head-scratcher. I'm sure Jim Rutherford, the general manager of this club, has got to be asking, you know, what is going on here? I mean, if nothing else, we, we all thought that the defense was going to be a little bit of a liability here, but it ends up being that the offense Offense is not being able to really pull its weight and chip in as much as we had anticipated, which is just definitely a mind-blowing thing because not only do you have those three big guns, but you have Chris Letang, who I mentioned. You have David Perron, who is a former... 25-plus uh, goal scorer in this league. Patrick Hornquist has shown he can score 25 goals in this league. And, you know, on down the line you have a number of other players that can chip in offensively, and it's just not happening right now. Then you stir in the fact that the defense has been a little bit lacking in the early going here. I mean, you saw head coach Mike Johnston separate his defensive pairs. We anticipated going into the season with Chris Letang maybe being paired with Ali Mata on the team's top tandem. Well they have not been able to do that. They've had to break that pairing up, move Olimata Mata down onto a pairing with Ben Lovejoy. Latang joined on that top pairing by Ian Cole. And Brian Doomlin is with Rob Scuderi on the bottom pairing for this team, and it's it's a situation right now where I don't know that those pairings are really getting it done for them. First of all, they're not being able to activate and jump into the offense as much as Mike Johnston would like them to. Yes, uh, Chris Letang has put some shots on goal, scored a goal against the Montreal Canadiens tonight, but above and beyond that, I'm not seeing a whole lot of offensive contributions from those players. Uh, the scaring thing about it is you can say that Rob Scuderi is the guy that probably had the most good looks at the net and a lot of that is probably due in part to the defense allowing him those chances because they know that he's not going to be all that dangerous now looking back at the schedule thus far. The Penguins were shut out in Dallas to start the season last Thursday. They lost 3-0. Anti Niemi was spectacular in that one, but at the same time, you've got to find ways to manufacture offense. They did put 37 shots on goal in the game uh, and going into tonight's game against the Montreal Canadiens, they were averaging 59 and a half shot attempts per game. Uh, not all of those got through to the net, obviously, but when you're putting close to 60 per game on net, you think you're going to, or towards the that you think you're going to be rewarded offensively, and it just wasn't happening. Now, in Arizona on Saturday, the Penguins generated just 28 shots on goal. Mike Smith was, again, good, another hot goaltender. That's a horrible syndrome that we see happening to this team uh, each and every game now, it seems, because going back to last year... They would get their opportunities, but they wouldn't be able to cash in against... Uh, they, they, they would make so many goaltenders look much better, I think, than they really are. Now, that's not to take anything away from the guys that they played against this year, because both Niemi and Mike Smith played very well. And, of course, the Penguins ran into Carey Price whenever they uh, lost to the Montreal Canadiens. So th- these are all very solid goaltenders, and uh, they did put 37 shots on goal on Carey Price, just weren't able to, to beat him. Now... This is the one thing I, I think that everybody has to get through their, their craniums at this point, and it's that you can't put all of the onus in an 0-3 start. Yes, that looks bad. There's been plenty of mistakes, not maybe as much desperation as we'd like to see, certainly not enough offense uh, as much as we'd like to see, just three goals through those three games, but at the same time, you look back at last year, Penguins were 6-2-1 and through October, then they went on a nice run at the beginning part of November, and they finished that month with a record of 16-5-2. At that point, people were starting to plan the Stanley Cup parade, they were feeling like this was going to be a a great scenario for the Pittsburgh Penguins, they were going to be off and running, and uh, another Stanley Cup was in the offing. Well, we all know how the year ended, injuries struck, goal scoring woes reared their ugly heads, just like we're seeing again this season, a lot went wrong. And they were eliminated in the first round unceremoniously by the New York Rangers. Well, you can look at this season and say they have a lot of time to turn it around. However, I do want to preface that by saying I I realize points in October are very important and we need not look any further than the Dallas Stars of one year ago, the same team that beat the Penguins on opening night. They went through October... Last year going 4-2-4, and four. finished November 9-10-5, did not have a good December, and then uh, finally righted the ship a little bit after the new year and were one of the hottest teams in the league, but they weren't able to uh, do enough in the second half of the season to right what went wrong in the first half and ended up missing the playoffs right towards the end of the season. So ultimately, these games are very important, but I tell you that story just because I don't want people to get too over-the-top, blown away, or concerned or worried by an 0-3 start. Now, one of the things that was talked about a lot in the locker room on Tuesday night was the fact that, um, you know, an 0-3 start to kick off your season very much uh, magnifies that fact because it's the first three games that we've seen this team play. We have this new-look Pittsburgh Penguins with Phil Kessel and and all of the other offensive uh, firepower that we just talked about, and they've not been able to get it done. Now, uh, I wanted to just share a couple of quotes with you they came out of the locker room on Tuesday night and Chris Kunitz was uh, very adamant about the team's second period against the Montreal Canadiens. They felt like they did a lot of good things in this game against the Canadiens and they think they can build upon it. He uh, specifically just said that they extend, they you know they were able to extend shifts in the offensive zone, got the Montreal Canadiens to turn around their net and they got to lose pucks and did all the things that they needed to do to generate offense and it just... They weren't able to do it for, you know, a number of shifts in a row. You need to be able to get that happening five or six shifts in a row, according to Chris Kunitz. And you need to do that for a total of 60 minutes. So look for them to maybe in- improve upon that heading into the game on Thursday night when they meet the Ottawa Senators. And, of course, they have another big matchup on Saturday against Toronto Maple Leafs. Those uh, Both opponents are going to be challenges for the Penguins because the Sens are always a thorn in their side. And the Toronto Maple Leafs, under new head coach Mike Babcock, are going to want to come in here and show up their former Uh, offensive superstar Phil Kessel and get a nice win here at the Consult Energy Center. So we'll see if the Penguins can't get things turned around. Now, Sidney Crosby was very, uh, I I don't want to say somber. He was almost a little ornery whenever we all had a chance to meet with him in the locker room tonight. And he talked about uh, the fact that when you find, uh, when you fall now into an 0-3 hole, you've got to find ways to use that to your advantage. You've got to get your desperation and your urgency up. And if you do that, he thinks that his team can find a way to execute a little bit better and add some more consistency to their game. Obviously did not do that uh, over these first three games that they've now lost. So they've got to find ways to generate the offense and play a full 60-minute game. That's... Um, something they have not been able to do to this point. Now Sid was asked if you know what you can do as a team and as a captain and so on to keep your team from getting too frustrated and he just threw it out there like it is. He said nobody likes to lose games and he said it's uh it's it's okay to be upset about the situation but you have to find ways to be better it's important to bounce back strong and show that you know this isn't gonna be a snowball effect where it's just rolling downhill and you lose control of it they've gotta find ways to to win games and generate the offense that we've not seen so far over the course of this game now there was one bright spot in the loss to the Montreal Canadiens and I wanted to spend a little bit of time talking about that uh, with you all today and it's Bo Bennett Uh, this is a guy that is probably running out of chances here in pittsburgh you know that we've talked about him quite a bit uh... in the paper at, over at uh, timesonline.com and uh, on, on the radio and everywhere else in the city of Pittsburgh, the fact that Bo's been a very injury-prone player, he's, he's shown an inability to stay in the lineup, and he's not really taken the bull by the horns and harnessed opportunities whenever they've been given to him. Well, I think that coming through this offseason, he worked with a new trainer, got himself at full health, Came in and had a very good training camp. Well, he showed off those skills tonight and all the work that he did in the offseason in scoring a very nice goal. He came down the right wing and beat Carey Price off the rush. uh, Caught Price off guard with his wrist shot. It was a big goal for the Penguins at the time. And in the game, I mean, just generally speaking here, Bo Bennett put six shots on goal. He's up to nine on the season now. That was a game-high six shots for him. And Mike Johnston called him his best player. He felt he was one of the Penguins best players in this game, if not their best player, and that's saying something whenever you're skating in a lineup that features Sidney Crosby, Phil Kessel, Kenny Malkin, and all the other guys that we've been talking about for the last 12, 13 minutes or so here. Now, I, I do think that Bo Bennett, if he keeps this up, is going to get a chance to slide up into the top six because there's been a little bit of issue whenever you look at the way those lines have come together over the course of the season so far. I think the top line is going to stay intact with Chris Kunitz, Sidney Crosby, and Phil Kessel. While they have not been able to harness all of their offensive uh, prowess just yet, I, I think they still have shown enough chemistry that Mike Johnson's going to not uh, bother with breaking that line up, or that line up too much moving forward. The line that he's tinkered with a little bit was his second line that featured Evgeny Malkin with Patrick Hornquist on the right wing and originally Sergei Plotnikov the Continental Hockey League import on the left. While Plotnikov's not really shown that he has been a good fit there early on, he looked a little uncomfortable at times and through the waning moments of the Arizona game on Saturday, Mike Johnston dropped him to the third line alongside Nick Benino and Bo Bennett. And he fit in there a little bit better, which then pushed David Perron up to the second line. So we'll, we'll, uh, we did get a look at David Perron against the Montreal Canadiens playing on the second line with Evgeny Malkin. He had six hits in the game, and he generated three shots on goal. But he came up empty-handed in terms of the offense, and he was a minus one. So you have to think that maybe... Now that Bo Bennett has shown this ability to um, maybe be one of the better offensive players through the first three games, that maybe Mike Johnston will give him a look in the top six, maybe putting him up on that line with Hornquist and Evgeny Malkin. Now the issue lies in the fact that Bo Bennett is most successful playing on the right wing and we've seen whenever he is put on the left wing, he is not near as successful because he's got to cross his body then to retrieve pucks. He has trouble along the boards. He has trouble creating plays coming off of the, uh, the left wing wall and... Um, I don't know that you want to stunt what he's been able to do so far on that third line with Nick Benino by jumping him up and moving him over to the left wing because you're not going to move Patrick Hornquist over. So for right now, we might see David Perron again uh, as we go into Thursday night. But that's something to, to think about just based on the fact that Bo Bennett was dubbed one of the best players on the ice for head coach Mike Johnston against the Montreal Canadiens. So there's there's a lot to dislike, I think, about what is going on with the Pittsburgh Penguins right now. But at the same time, you know, it is only three games, and it's a very long season, 79 more to go. It's just they've got to get this righted sooner rather than later. Now, a couple other observations. We mentioned Sergei Plotnikov. Not only was he dropped to the third line, Uh, on Saturday night and spent uh, Tuesday night's game in that same capacity. But during that game, he made an egregious turnover in the third period in a 2-2 game, one in which the Penguins had just come off of a very solid second period, started to get a little bit of a foothold for themselves, and unfortunately, Plotnikov uh, miss Bo Bennett breaking towards the net. If he would have passed to him quicker coming off of the uh, right-wing board, he probably makes a nice play. Bo Bennett gets a scoring opportunity. Instead, he tries to curl around. He misses Bo Bennett, and David Dearnay pressures him pushes the puck away, his teammate Dale Weiss picks up the puck, carries it through the neutral zone, and tries to spring D'Arnais in on a on a little bit of a breakaway. He led him a little too much, so he didn't get the breakaway, but that uh, as they were moving up the ice, Sergei Plotnikov falls down, jumps up, doesn't really jump back into the play, and I thought that it was a bad mistake by a player, albeit one who's 27 years old, but he's still a rookie in this league, but it was one of those plays that you, you know is just going to dog him a little bit. The coaches are going to look at that and say that he should have played it a little bit more, uh, a little differently than he did. And then, of course, I, I didn't see a lot of hustle in Sergey Plotnikov in getting back on the defensive side of the puck. So uh, what happens is DeRNA gets into the zone, picks up the puck down beneath the Penguins goal line, and he hits uh, longtime Penguin killer uh, Thomas Fleischman, who you may remember as a member of the Florida Panthers. Um, whenever you know, he always scored some big goals for for that team against the Penguins, and he uh, did it again tonight. Gets the game winning goal. He beats Mark Andre Fleury over the shoulder with a wrist shot after taking that pass from De Arnais So it was a bad play that I think will. Uh, you can just point the finger back at Plotnikov on the play, and, and you hate to see that happen to a young player, but at the same time. He is starting to maybe look like he's feeling the effects of moving to North America now a little bit more than any of us anticipated. Because I thought during training camp he, he didn't look overwhelmed or overmatched, but right now he is uh, at a point where maybe he is starting to look that way. Zero points through the three games. As you know, we can say that about many players, but he is one of them with zero points, and he did that in a top six role. He's a minus one. He has uh, two penalty minutes on the season so far and just two shots on goal. So hopefully, uh, Uh, Plotnikov can settle in on that third line and show that he can maybe do a little bit more for this team than he has to this point uh, through the three games of the season. Now, we mentioned a little bit of the disjointed nature of the blue line. I I did want to just point out that uh, against the Canadians, the Latang cole pairing did not look all that spectacular. They were on the ice for two goals against each time Uh, I think they were plays that that Chris Letang specifically would love to have back. The the goal I just talked a lot about in depth uh, coming off of the Plotnikov turnover, Cole and Letang get back in the zone, and there were just too many Canadians for the two of them to cover. And unfortunately, Fleischman was wide open with Cole sort of almost being behind the net, chasing D'Arnais, and Latang was over in front trying to cover Dale Weiss. Uh, Fleischman was the late man. Nobody there. He scores the goal. So uh, I I know that's from your top pairing. You expect a little bit more from them. And then Ben Lovejoy and Rob Scuderi found themselves on the ice in a penalty-killing situation, and they were beaten for a goal on the uh, PK. And that's a a pairing you don't want to have to see playing together but they they are matched up on the penalty kill. They've got to maybe do a little bit better job moving forward. Uh, as I said, though, earlier in this podcast, I know we pointed out a ton of negative uh, during this uh, edition of the Times Online Pittsburgh Penguins podcast, but that's because there really have not been many positives through this 0-3 start. I'm sure that based on the firepower at their disposal, a day off on Wednesday, uh, in terms of games anyway, that they'll be able to you know, look at some tape, look at some film of the the games to this point and maybe put some things in place to give them a better showing against the Ottawa Senators on Thursday evening. But, uh, you know... You just hope for their sake that's that's the case because us in the media are obviously paying close attention. The fan base is uh, getting a little worked up. I I could tell by my tw- the you know the tweets I was receiving tonight during the game and after the game that people were awfully worked up. They're getting a little bit a uh, little bit worried, concerned, wondering if a trade's going to come. I still feel that Jim Rutherford is going to look to acquire a defenseman before this is all said and done, just based on the fact that his blue line's been uh, not near. What he needs it to be, so I, I think that's one area that he can definitely address here moving forward. But the uh, the fans uh, have been tweeting, as I said. And if you want to tweet, you can. You can find me on Twitter at Brian underscore Metzer, and I hope that you will, uh, because I do enjoy interacting with all of you out there on social media. You can find me on Facebook as well. It's just uh, Facebook dot slash Brian dot Metzer. So I'm there for you. But uh, Twitter's the easiest. So if you want to tweet me, please do, and we can obviously talk. Uh, a lot more about the Pittsburgh Penguins over there. Now, if you did listen to the first podcast, you know that part of what I like to do here on the show is quickly give you a little bit of a look around the league, and then give you news of the weird, which was a longtime staple of my Penguins live show and the Penguins radio network. So first, I want to talk quickly about a couple rookies that have really uh, burst onto the scene in the National Hockey League this season. And we're not talking Connor McDavid and Jack Eichel, because I hope you're already aware of what those two are doing for the Edmonton Oilers and Buffalo Sabres, respectively. Uh, McDavid scored his first goal as an Oiler, obviously, on Tuesday night. That was uh, a good thing to see. And Jack Eichel was off and running for the Sabres. He has a couple goals already and has looked uh, like maybe he will give Connor McDavid a run for that Calder Trophy. A lot of people wanted to anoint him Rookie of the Year before any games were even played. Well, I will tell both of those young men that there are several other players that you should be keeping an eye on in your rearview mirror, mirror, and they are uh, Lindbergh of the New York Rangers. He has been outstanding. He is centering their third line, and he is playing uh, with J.T. Miller from Pittsburgh, and I know readers of timesonline.com are very familiar with um with J.T. Miller because of where he grew up and where he is from in Pittsburgh. But uh, that's Oscar Lindbergh I'm talking about playing with J.T. Miller. They're joined by Victor Stahlberg on the third line. And Lindbergh has four goals through his first three games. He's he's looked very good in, in uh, centering that third line. And his line mates have seven assists while playing with him. So uh, that's a young player that's really getting it done. And the one thing to keep in mind with him is he's he's not a typical rookie, because he's going to be 24 years old on October 29th. So that's a guy uh, I think you should just watch uh, and hope he doesn't burn the Penguins whenever they meet the New York Rangers because that's um, yet another weapon that they have to come in and give the Penguins some headaches. So keep an eye on Oscar Lindbergh. Max Domi that the Penguins just saw on Saturday night when they played the Arizona Coyotes. He has the offensive upside that maybe his father, Ty Domi, never did have. But he is uh, a guy that I think is in store for a very nice career for himself in the National Hockey League. And bear, bear with us here. As I said, we are live at Consol Energy Center and some of the crew here cleaning up uh, on site is uh, going going a little bonkers in the background. So I guess that adds to the ambiance of this podcast and gives you a real vibe that we are live and screaming from Consol Energy Center. But uh, Domi, a goal and an assist so far on the young season, and I think he'll add a ton more before it's all said and done. He's skating on the top line in Arizona with Michael Bodker and Antoine Vermette and doing a, a very fine job of uh, of just showing that he is ready for prime time in the National Hockey League. So those are just a couple of the other rookies that I wanted to mention um, to you before we, we jumped into News of the Weird for today. And uh, speaking of News of the Weird, let's get to it. A cow goes rogue in central New York eludes capture for months, and this comes from New Hartford, New York, and the Associated Press police hope a farm device used to feed cattle will help corral a cow that has been on the loose for months in central New York. In a central New York town. Officers in New Hartford have put feed in the headlock feeder and placed a device along the road outside Utica where the rogue cow has been spotted. Headlock feeders have locking mechanisms that trap a cow's head while it's feeding. Police tell the Utica Observer, observer Dispatch that the 1,500-pound cow has been on the loose for several months. Efforts to identify its owner have been unsuccessful. Now, a local farmer has agreed to take the cow if it is eventually caught. Motorists spotted the cow last week and it uh, ran several miles down a local road before bolting into the woods. So what's going to happen here is some hungry... Hunter or somebody is going to find this cow and he is going to corral the cow. He's not going to use a headlock feeder or anything like that. He will end up feeding on the cow, which is not going to make anybody happy because people love their... um Cows on the Lamb to Remain on the Lamb and or Safe and Sound. So that was your news of the weird for this edition of the Times Online Pittsburgh Penguins podcast. And I do want to apologize if my voice was cracking a little bit tonight. It is about 2 degrees in Consol Energy Center. And if any of you have been here for a game, I'm sure you know that even with the 18087 in the building, it is chilly. Well, let me tell you, whenever you are joined by yourself and maybe one other body in the in the press box here at Consol Energy Center, it is even more so. So, uh, I appreciate you dealing with that if it was noticeable. And uh, of course, I appreciate you listening in listening in here to the Times Online Pittsburgh Penguins podcast, which is available to you each and every Wednesday at timesonline.com, Stitcher Radio, iTunes, SoundCloud. Just search Beaver County Times and you'll find us over there. And uh, look forward to talking Pittsburgh Penguins with you all season long as we've done a couple weeks in a row now and we will continue to do well into the future of this Pittsburgh Penguins season. So with that, we wrap up another edition and I hope to see you all next Wednesday for another edition of the uh, Times Online Pittsburgh Penguins podcast. So I'd be remiss if I didn't mention be there or be less than circular for the Times Online Pittsburgh Penguins podcast.